Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Queen Elizabeth was known not only for being a master diplomat and a gracious monarch, but she was also known for having a strong Christian faith. How did she balance that personal faith while also being a global leader and supreme governor of the Church of England? How was she able to be both faithful and tolerant and a leader of a nation? I think those are fascinating questions to dig into. Dudley Delfts is a former English professor and the author of of the faith of Queen Elizabeth and joins us on the line. Dudley, thanks for coming on with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, Let's dive right on in. Uh, So give us kind of an overview. Uh, What was the role of faith for Queen Elizabeth? I believe the role of faith for Her Majesty the Queen was a very personal relationship with God, with Jesus. And that gave her the strength and the motivation and the inspiration to serve and to fulfill the duty that she believed God had called her to do. And as you look at that, one of the things that you've pointed out is uh, just how the queen demonstrated how, how you keep that, that faith personal and private, and yet you have to be inclusive and expansive and tolerant, and it's a pluralistic world. Uh, how did she manage to, to kind of go down that line? I think she did a a marvelous, amazing job of balancing the personal and the public void. You know, I I think she uh, knew what not to say publicly as well as what to say in situations about her faith. And I think that's a good model for us all at times. Um, I think she liked for her actions to speak uh, as loud, if not louder, than her words. And so I think she really saw her duty and the role of the royal family as one of service, uh, which was a model very much like the one Queen Victoria used when she was queen in the previous century. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's so important. And we always talk about the uh, kind of the St. Francis of Assisi model of uh, always preach the gospel when necessary, use words. And uh, Her Majesty the Queen uh, seemed to understand that and, and had that graciousness. And she was also uh, not afraid to to ask for prayers, for ask to ask for help. And uh, in, you mentioned in her first uh, Christmas address, she, she kind of followed a tradition of her father, uh, King George V, in terms of requesting uh, some help and prayers from, from all the people. Yes, absolutely. And even before, you know, she was coronated, she knew that in order to fulfill this duty um, that had been presented, she would need uh, supernatural strength. She would need divine power from God. And then she had no qualms about being humble and asking both her subjects as well as people around the world to pray for her, to lift her up, and, you know, ask God for the strength and the wisdom that she knew she would need in some of these very troubling uh, situations and and trials, which indeed she went on to experience. But uh, I think prayer was fundamental to that personal faith and to the way she lived her life. And of course, as uh, we don't often think about it or focus on it uh, much here in the U.S., but that the the Queen does have a 
uh, a role as the the head of the church and defender of the faith. What does that really look like? What does that really mean uh, when it comes uh, to the to uh, to Great Britain? Well, I think uh, on one hand, it's a very uh, you know it's a very ceremonial and historical and traditional kind of role to have the monarch be the head of the Church of England. Um, and what I find fascinating, Boyd, is the way the Queen could have approached it, you know, in a way that was rather compartmentalized or even detached, mm. and just basically, I suppose, gone through the motions and fulfilled, you know, what the obligation entailed. But that's not how she approached it. She embraced the role and was willing to do the, you know, the uh, administrative and ceremonial parts of the job, but she also became actively involved. She consulted with the Archbishop of Canterbury on a weekly, sometimes basis, regular basis. She would be involved in discussing decisions that would be made within the Church of England. She would want to know about uh, the way people were uh, suffering or the needs that they had that could be addressed by the church and by the community. So I think it was that active engagement that set her apart as not just head of the nation, but of the Church of England. Yeah, and I love the way you framed that, that she didn't compartmentalize this. Uh, The people I love the most, regardless of what their faith tradition is, are the people who it's all the same. They bring their whole authentic self into the public square, into the role and it seems to me that the the queen really understood that she did have to bring her whole self in. She didn't have to overly push, uh, but to demonstrate, to live. But uh, she wasn't afraid to to bring that side of herself and share that with the public. Yes, very much so. And my observation, Boyd, would be that the the queen, as she aged and as she you know uh, proceeded through the decades in her reign. I think she became more more comfortable, perhaps, mm. being herself in those public occasions, and certainly, you know, the relationships that she had, uh, both with her family and her staff, and with uh, the members of the public with whom she engaged at, at various functions. I think she enjoyed sharing that in her Christmas broadcast and other opportunities when she could speak from her heart. Um, I think, you know, dealing with some of the life circumstances. Uh, both the personal losses she endured with um, the death of her sister or the death of her mother. Um, I think, you know, seeing some of the ups and downs of her, of her adult children, I think those kept her, you know, very humble and very dependent on God. And I think she was willing to, to perhaps show a bit more personal transparency as she progressed in her, in her faith and in her reign. Yeah, and I've been dying to ask you, Dudley, uh, just looking at your your book, The Faith of Queen Elizabeth, any sense of how she felt uh, or anything she expressed in terms of the religious decline within the United Kingdom? That's a great question, Boyd. And to my recollection, she did not directly answer or address that, you know, or view it necessarily as as a, a, a problem or a disappointment the way we might be tempted to. Instead, what I witnessed her doing was focusing on um, and including uh, people of multiple faiths mm. and finding common ground, you know, finding bridges instead of emphasizing what could potentially be a wall or a barrier. And that, again, I think is a great example for, for people of faith today, 
that what if we do look for those areas of, of commonality and lead with those instead of focusing only on where we seem to disagree or have differences. Uh, I love that. Uh, Dudley Delfts, former English professor, author of The Faith of Queen Elizabeth. Dudley, thanks so much for joining us today. Great perspective, great insight on the faith of Queen Elizabeth. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Boyd, so much. All right, we're going to go ahead and step aside for a quick commercial break. Coming up, the tide is turning. Is it turning? Will it keep turning? Will that momentum build in the war between Ukraine and Russia? Things aren't looking so good for Vladimir Putin. Shane Harris from the Washington Post joins us next to talk about what comes next for Ukraine. Stay with us.